Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Good morning and welcome to a special World Cup edition of the Football Social Daily. Latest reaction from last night's game as it finished England nil, the United States nil. The boar in Alcor. No goals, but a point apiece means England are on the brink of the last 16 as the United States are in charge of their own knockout stage destiny. In part one, we'll be delving into an eye-opening 90 minutes for both teams, England coming up short and the US's Premier League contingent standing out on an impressive performance. What next for England and what does this do to Group B? That's all to come on uh, today's edition of the podcast. And then in part two, we'll be recapping the latest picture in Group A. Qatar have set a new benchmark for hosts' early exits, but Senegal are back and they are pushing for the knockouts. What's going to go down in Group A? All of that to come later in the show. So let's get cracking. My name's Fergal Brennan. And on Saturday duty, we have a Manchester United double act. From the Masterclass podcast, we have Rob Blanchett. Rob, how are we doing? Hey, Fergal, I'm good. How are you, mate? Very good. Not the most exciting of uh, Friday nights that you've ever been involved in? Absolutely not. No, not at all. Uh, someone that I imagine enjoys the uh, the quieter life on a Friday these days, Mr. Stretford Paddock himself, Jay Motti. Cup of tea and a few biscuits as you watched England last night, Jay? It doesn't get much quieter than that game last night, does it, to be honest <laughs> with you? Hey, that, was, that was as quiet as it can be. It was uh, a real biscuit dunker of a, yeah. of a game uh, for England last night. Uh, we're going to jump straight in and uh, review it. Rob, we'll go to you first on this. England nil, USA nil, the second round of group stage matches in Group B I'm just going to ask you the question that's been on my mind since I've woken up this morning on the balance of chances Christian Pulisic battering one against the crossbar the USA pressing machine Tyler Adams Weston McKenney Yusuf Moussa um, Yunus Moussa from Valencia all superb did England get away with one? They did, and I think before the game, you know, I made a prediction that America would, would edge the game 1-0, and the reason why I thought that is because I thought we would see exactly what we did from Southgate's team. They'd take their foot off the gas after an incredible game against Iran, and what happened? They hardly turned up at all, and I just think the tactics on the night were, were just so bad from Southgate, and the England team just tried to consolidate, didn't they? And they nearly got stung for it. 
And Jay, we look at this results, and obviously it's going to be the, the bones are going to be picked apart in the next few days before England take on Wales in the in the final round of of group games. But what we watched last night doesn't doesn't lie to us. England were off the pace, they were slow in the tackle, and they couldn't react to this US press. And press is one of those new, relatively fashionable words in, in football. And sometimes when you watch a game and you're thinking, right, I'm going to look for this press and I'm going to figure out how it works. The US gave a textbook example on how to do it effectively last night. They smothered England's midfield, England's back two that Southgate did praise in, in John Stones and Harry Maguire were relatively unruffled because they weren't the ones being squeezed. It was Rice, Mount and Jude Bellingham who were forced backwards by the USA midfield. And that is something that he's going to need to address in the next couple of days. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you used the, the term now, react. And I think that was the issue for me. When I saw that team, I wasn't, the, the, the England team, I wasn't shocked that he'd, he'd, who he'd picked. He stuck with a team that obviously did so well against Iran. But then when you saw it wasn't working, when you saw, like you're saying, that, that the USA were getting a lot of joy, especially in midfield, I thought the, the reaction from Southgate was, was too slow and it wasn't the right one as well. And I think that was part of the problem. I know we'll probably get onto it later if I was raving about Phil Foden, but I even thought like, you know, Jordan Henderson coming on didn't really do anything. I didn't really get that substitution at all. And you could see that we were getting overrun in midfield and um, uh, the US were either more up for it or they just had a better game plan, whatever the, the reasons were, or a fitter, whatever the reasons were, those midfielders, you know, Musa Adams in particular, were causing all sorts of problems and, and the likes of Mount and, and Bellingham couldn't really get into the game. Mm. And then you're looking at your manager going, OK, this isn't working. You can see that we're riding our luck a little bit. I think that, you know, the US looked like they were up for it and had a couple of, of chances. And you think, well, you know, what's, what, what are we going to do? What is the reaction going to be? And that, for me, is sometimes where Southgate falls short. I think if you look at his, his tournament record, it's, it's very good. You can't deny that, mm. a final and a semi-final. But when we've gone out his reaction I think his tactics when it's needed something changing against Croatia in 2018 and against Italy in, in 20, um, 2021 was it sorry it, you know it's it's not been good enough that's where he's fallen short and listen I know this isn't a final or a semi-final but this is a game where had he been a bit more savvy had it been a bit more about him he could have made the changes he could have done something I think with the plays he's got at his disposal to get a win against the USA last night and in the end it was a draw that England were pretty lucky to get we're going to touch on the subs in just a second, Rob, but I want to just talk about a, a big stat that's jumped out to me in terms of the US and how impressive they were. And it was ball recoveries, 54 to 40 overall. And in every part of the pitch, attacking third, defensive third and middle third, the USA was either better, as in comfortably better, or the same as England in terms of winning the ball back in every single area of the pitch and that in old money translates to individual individual battles being won 50-50s being won and every area of the pitch just being managed and marshaled by the US where does this fall down in terms of the players and the managers because as I say we're going to touch on subs in just a second but the players themselves in those little battles they, they have to win them and there has to be a communication between the lines of players between Maguire and Rice and Rice and Kane and Saka in front of Kieran Trippier Sterling in front of Luke Shaw that just didn't seem to happen last night and the US took full advantage because there didn't seem to be either an on-pitch reaction or a reaction from the bench 
Yeah, for me, it felt like the players played with no personality on the day and it felt like the tactics had no personality. So we shouldn't be particularly surprised, I think, of how the, the game panned out. You know, the United States are an OK team, but let's be honest, you know, when you compare them against most of the nations at this World Cup, they're not very good. We've seen a lot of them in the last few years. They've got two or three good individuals. But they're not a great side. So the fact that they were able to do that to England, I think some of it was very much kind of self-imposed by the team and by the tactics. Uh, also there, it said um, Maguire and Stones at the back. Uh, Southgate was full of praise for them at the end of the game. But the tactics of passing the ball backwards and forwards between each other for pass after pass was just incredible to see. And when we got to 20 minutes to go, you could see England was settling for this goalless draw against a not very good American side. So I, I think overall, it's just the, the whole performance was so so negative and so disappointing and yes England are in control of the group but it felt like they took their foot off the gas when there was absolutely no need to do it let's have a look at, uh, a look at the subs Jay because it wouldn't be an England international tournament without fans disagreeing with any substitution that is made by a manager because there's always another option that the manager has ignored and I do have a tiny bit of of sympathy for Southgate in that but you look at these players that come on and you think, what was the plan here? Jordan Henderson and Jack Grealish come on as replacements for Raheem Sterling and Jude Bellingham. Jude Bellingham, who was superb against the Iran, and I thought he was very good again last night. Jordan Henderson is the type of player to come on and see out a game. Lots of experience. He's a leader, captain of Liverpool. He can manage games in the last 15, 20 minutes. But this is a nil-nil draw against Iran when he came on. Jack Grealish, who we're going to duck into in just a second, again comes on, wins a few fouls that come to nothing. And then Marcus Rashford, probably unfortunately for him, is is thrown on with this idea of if you get one chance, stick it in the back of the net. And he had a, a half chance that probably was never really going to trouble Matt Turner. None of these subs came on and caused a worried reaction from the United States. Phil Foden was the big one that there was a huge social media swell for and the commentators were, were pushing for on UK TV and there was no sign of him. Yeah, I, I understand a little bit what he's saying. I mean, I wasn't impressed with, with Southgate's substitutions. I think the Phil Foden thing, I'll just get onto that before talking about Marcus. Like, I like Phil Foden. I think he's a very good player. Obviously, you know, destroyed... United at the Etihad earlier this season with an hat trick. It almost went under the radar because Erling Haaland got one too. And he's, he's done that a few times. He's caused us all sorts of problems. And he's a very, very talented player and, and you know, arguably or easily one of the best players in the world. But his, his record for England's okay. It's not like he's shone for England. I think there's you need a little bit of perspective there. I think he's played about 19 games or no, I think something like 23 games or something for England. He's not scored for quite a while I think it was Iceland or uh, I think it was Iceland a few years ago a couple of years ago sorry and he's had quite a few chances since then when he hasn't really happened for him on the international stage so I'm not quite sure it's this oh Phil Foden would have would have solved all our problems the narrative is, is is completely accurate the thing the frustrating thing for me was I know Marcus sort of played on the right when he came on the other day and, or was on the right hand side when he got his goal and he got his goal quite early but last night you saw it, it when he he was on the right, but when he went mm. over to the left, he had that shot, and he's much better for me on the left. He just is, and he's got that sort of understanding with Luke Shaw as well. And I think that to put him on the right and Grealish on the left, it just didn't do a lot. It didn't do enough, and I just thought that was a little bit confusing. And the, the Jordan Henderson one, I just thought was a was a nothing substitution. I just didn't. I don't think that does anything for you at all. Like you say, if you know, if you one nil up or whatever, and you're holding on to a game where you need a bit of experience as someone who's gonna, you know, shout at his teammates and put his foot on the ball, then yeah, Jordan Henderson's probably your man. But if 
and I'm guessing that you know, you know England were trying to win the game, then that makes no sense to me really. So I just found the substitutions a little bit confusing. Yes, I kind of understand the, the sort of the, the the idea that people do get overexcited about whoever's not come on. That's the answer. That's the one you should have done when the results don't go your way. But even in, in at the time, I was a little bit like, I'm, I'm not sure this is the, the right one for me. I don't I don't really get this. So I think Gareth Southgate's got a, like I said earlier, just think a little bit differently sometimes. It's just he doesn't seem to have the answers when things aren't going our way in, in some of the bigger games. Yeah, uh, Jay, you're absolutely right about Phil Foden. You were testing my ability to uh, to search for that super quick. 19 caps and two goals, uh, and the two goals coming against Iceland way yeah, back I remember, in I mean, uh, in I'm not saying he's not a good player, because he is. And I'm not saying that, you know... But there's he, a gap he, there. Yeah, but it's this. I, my point is this idea that he's our saviour. Yeah. It's a little bit mm, sort of narrow-minded for me. But I, th- I think as well, like, when you look at issues, look at that stat for Foden, does that say what we think about Phil Foden or does that say what we think about Gareth Southgate so you know I think England are literally the only major nation that wouldn't be starting a player like Phil Foden and maybe a right back like Trent Alexander-Arnold so yeah they've got their failings in terms of being youngsters who are still developing their game but my god they're stone cold winners they've won all the trophies over the last few years and yet it looks like that this manager doesn't rate them doesn't want them or they're just going to come off the bench now and then Phil Foden should be starting there's no doubt about it. He's a top player, a world-class player. If Spain can start Gavi and those youngsters and go that route, why can't England start someone like Foden, who's older, more experienced, and won tons of trophies? Yeah, definitely. I definitely would have started him. I definitely agree on that front. Um, even the Trent one, you know, you may, you mentioned that. Even taking a gamble, I mean, you know, it might sound a bit of a left-field move bringing on Trent as a sub, but he can get balls into the box. He can create things. His, his, his assist record is ridiculous just so I don't know something like that rather than just this sort of almost wasteful substitutions where you just think what's that about well, speaking of saviours, Rob, my uh, my specialist subject, Jack Grealish, he was one of the changes that came on last night and he is heralded by big sections of the England supporter base as the guy to unlock the door, to unsettle low blocks, to break past fullbacks and create chances. And the numbers just don't back it up, be that for England or, or be that for Manchester City. And just looking at his numbers for City this season, one goal and zero assists. He hasn't assisted a goal for Manchester City since the start of the season. And people are going to say he doesn't play every game and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you kind of stretch that out a little bit to the, to the things that he is meant to be good at and the things that he's meant to bring to a team. Progressive passes, dribbles, etc. Successful dribbles this season. He's only done more than three once, and that was against Wolves in September. So he's averaging about two successful dribbles a game, regardless of whether that's a start or whether that's an appearance off the bench. Now, this isn't a necessarily a rant against Jack Grealish himself. It's this... I thought England had moved past this mythology around certain players. And Gareth Southgate is a very much a numbers guy. I play the players in front of me who are performing in my system. This idea of, you know, just get it out to Grealish, he'll win a, win a free kick, throw a cross into the mixer and, you know, Harry Maguire will score. That's way too much of a percentages game for international football. It's, you know, you touched on there with, with Spain and Gavi and France and Mbappe and some of these teams that have these incredible players. 
they're not bringing on somebody to get, not even to take the free kick. This isn't David Beckham or Trent Alexander-Arnold that's going to get fouled and then put in the free kick to set up the goal. This is just the potential of getting fouled for the potential of winning a free kick for the potential of a goal. Well, let's be honest about Jack Grealish. He is the best player in the absolute world at getting fouls. <laughs> That's what he is, isn't it? I'll drivel until someone knocks me over. I'll fly over. I'll roll over. I'll get my free kick and I'll get that famous stat of being the most fouled player in the Premier League. But I'm totally with you on it. You know, look at, let's look at Jack Grealish. You know, when he was at Aston Villa and performing incredibly well, he couldn't get anywhere near the England team. And people were like, why is this player not being played? Now you look at him at Manchester City and let's be honest, at £100 million, I don't think we feel that that's, that's good value for what he's given City. He's got... Harland in front of him now at City and still can't get assists so there's something wrong there isn't there so this is when we talk about the substitutes we talk about Foden and the wider conversation about creativity you're bringing on someone like Grealish in that moment where you're trying to maybe manage the game a little bit more we're still looking for that goal but there's nothing in those substitution or bringing on Grealish that makes you think England want that goal is it? There's nothing there. Yeah. You, you know, I know um, Jay just talked about Marcus there playing off the right. You know, we all know at Manchester United that Marcus is not very good on the right. You know, he said it himself when he was interviewed two or three weeks ago. He went, I don't really like coming off the right. It's not what I do well. So you saw that when he came on yesterday. It wasn't really there. But there's one more thing I want to kind of end on with it. Is that in the Premier League, the best, well, two of the best partnerships going on the left and the right is Rashford and Shaw for Manchester United on the left. And on the right hand side, Saka and White. Those are two of the most productive partnerships in English football. And you know, we're not going to see it at this World Cup. It's not going to happen once because this manager will not do it. He's far too conservative and he does just play the numbers game. Looking at some of the changes that could potentially come in for the Wales game, Jay, because it was a same start in 11 from the Iran game last night. We know that Southgate, for whatever reason, doesn't like changes, particularly in tournaments. He doesn't like to, to shuffle his pack too much. There's going to be a, a national conversation building into the Wales game and then probably building into the knockout stages about what he should or could change. They can't take the foot off the gas against Wales. Last 16 is not assured necessarily but something has to change if he wants to freshen up this team because it didn't work last night and you'd imagine that Wales will present a completely different challenge they're not out by a long stretch if they win and the result the USA Iran result goes in their favour they go through now <clears throat> they're going to be going hell for leather for this and England still need a system and personnel to react to that yeah, you do, and you just wonder with 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 Southgate if if he does make a change, I only think it'll be a minor one. I do. I don't think he's going to change two or three players. I think he might make one change. He might swap Sterling for Foden or Mount for you know maybe brings in I don't know Phillips and pushes Bellingham further forward. I don't know. I but I expect it to be a minor change with that. I think the the, the big sort of issue for me, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but it's something that just keeps happening with Southgate tournaments is if the game against Wales isn't going right, will it can he make the changes that are necessary? Because I actually think that the England can win this game against Wales comfortably. I think Wales looked looked shot the other day. They did. They just looked like they'd ra completely ran out of steam. And, and the big players that, that they sort of relied upon were, were almost non-existent. Now, I know you can argue, oh, you know, with Gareth Bale, he just needs a free kick or anything can happen there. But they looked a bit all over the gaff. And I, I, I'd fancy England to, to beat Wales. But if things aren't going right, if things are is a nil-nil or, you know, Wales get a, a, a goal or whatever and you need to change it up, that's when Gareth Southgate, looking at Gareth Southgate and thinking, OK, 
have you got it in you now to start taking a risk? Have you got it in you to be a bit more than just this safe beige type manager who who just does things that you know are so predictable that they're, they're almost insane? So yeah, I think that I don't expect it to, him to ring in the changes. I think most of those players that started last night, the vast majority, will play against um, against Wales. But I think there might be one change, maybe maybe someone like Mason Mount who didn't really do a lot. I mean, you can start putting the finger at anyone last night, to be honest with you. But maybe Mason Mount drops out for someone else or, or it could be Sterling, but I'm, I'm a bit sceptical about that one because obviously Sterling's one of his sort of main players and has been for both tournaments. Before we take a break, Rob, I want to get your perspective on the USA. I know we've got a lot of USA-based listeners that are going to be shouting and saying, why are we not talking more about the United States? Hands up, I was super impressed with them last night, particularly, as I mentioned at the top of the show, that midfield three. They gave a, a bit of a lesson to, to Rice, Bellingham and Mount in terms of how to play a well-coached midfield unit. They will be frustrated to not win this I honestly think that the US a couple of inches lower from Pulisic that's a wonder goal from him they had other chances that were a bit frustrating and then that bizarre decision in the last second to play the free kick short instead of just lopping it into the box two points on the board from them we're going to touch on predictions in, in the second part but everything looks that it's set up for them now Tyler Adams said it after the game just go and beat Iran don't think too far ahead just go face the next opponent beat them and get into the knockout stages and based on what we saw last night some of the big hitters who have underperformed so far this tournament won't be wanting to face them no they won't and I think that there's there's undoubtedly that America with a better team on the day. There's no doubt about that. They wanted it more. They worked harder. The when with the ball at their feet, both on ball, off ball, they were the better side. But I think you've got to kind of look at the bigger story. And it's America. Like four or five years ago, we're a really bad team, and they're still in that progress of building something. And they've got individuals who are good. We talked to there, Pulisic. You've got someone like Arison on the bench, and all of their players do now play in major leagues across Europe. And of course, there's very few players plucked out of the MLS to represent them. But I think when you look at their opportunity to go through, I still think people forget that Iran are very much the second best team in this group. They are. I know they got hammered by England. I think Iran now are still rated 20th in the world. They're not a bad side. You know, they'd been on a runoff, I think, of 20 or 25 games unbeaten before England smashed them in the opener. I mean, it's going to be a very, very difficult game for the United States because they just lack that overall talent. Iran are a better team together. And I think if Iran put together their best performance, I think they'll comfortably win the match. Okay, Rob giving a little teaser into what his predictions after the break are going to be. Uh, We're going to grab a break here on the Football Social Daily. After the break, we're talking Group A. Qatar are out. The hosts are no longer pushing for a knockout space, but three teams in the group, Netherlands, Ecuador and Senegal, are all in the running. And we're also going to swing back to Group B and get the guys' tips for the last 16. Will it be a disaster for England? And can Gareth Bale do it once again for Wales? All that to come after the break. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. 
Welcome back to a special weekend edition of the Football Social Daily. We are in World Cup review mode. The bore in Alcor for England last night. Nil-nil against the United States. Gareth Southgate's team are still in a strong position to reach the last 16, but the inquest has already begun. Uh, in part two, we're going to flick back to Group A. They were also in action last night. Qatar are officially out of the World Cup, setting a new record for early exits for a World World Cup host. We're going to talk about Senegal, uh, Jay. I'm going to go to you on this one. 3-1 win for Senegal. Disappointing in the opening round of fixtures for them, losing to the Netherlands. They needed to react and they reacted. The old adage of you've got to go and beat the team that's in front of you. Qatar showed a few flashes that they're maybe not as poor as they were in the first game. But a really professional performance from Senegal. Scored their goals at important times just before the break and then just after to kind of stem the tide of any Qatari positivity. And they're now in a strong position to get through to the last 16. Ecuador will have something to say about that. We all kind of tip Netherlands and Senegal to get through from this group. But Senegal will be looking at this now and thinking the momentum is with us. We're the only side to have won their last game going into the final game. Are you confident that they'll get through? Um... I think so, yeah. I, don't, I think they, I think they can do. I think they will. I think they probably will do. Um, like you say, I mean Qatar. I don't want to be too hard on them, but the, the, for me, they're a poor team. They are, and I think there the might have been even been a bit of a relief all round against Senegal that Qatar weren't completely useless because it was like one of them where you're looking at go, this is just a bit embarrassing. I mean Senegal just got that, like you say, got that goal before half time, got a goal after half time. And then when Qatar actually got a goal back, what did what was it five minutes later? Senegal just ended any chance of, of Qatar getting back into the game, and and, and put it to bed with uh, with with the third. So yes, it's against the poor team, but they did a good job. And I think that from what I've seen in Senegal, they have got some good players. They, they can cause any team problems, and I think they'll be feeling pretty confident. They'll feel like yeah, you know, we can go into this last game, get a result, and and go through. And I think the one thing that's just as in a sort of an aside from for, for on uh, on this, it's just been a bit sort of deflating and sad to see this the sort of the host nation doing so badly and and not really being embraced by the fans and stuff. You know, you've seen sort of half empty stadiums, especially after the first half when they've played. And I've been to a couple of World Cups it's over in South Africa, where the whole country was up for it. You know, the whole country sort of rallied around the team. And, and when South Africa went out, everyone in in South Africa rallied around Ghana. And it was just a real sort of atmosphere there of, you know what, you, you love to see that, the host nation really embracing it. And the Qatari fans haven't really, or from what I gather anyway, seem to, to have done that. And it's not helped when your team is just so far behind the rivals and, and Senegal showed that against them last night. We're going to move on to the other game in Group A last night. Netherlands won, Ecuador won. Rob, it wouldn't be like Manchester United to not stick their nose into every conversation, including a World Cup podcast. But I've got to talk to you about Cody Hakpo. Two goals in the World Cup. The one against Ecuador last night was a stunner of a finish just taking a little break from the World Cup for a second he's massively linked to United potentially in January and if not next summer he looks like a really exciting player and a lot of fans might not have seen a huge amount of him at club level the World Cup is still one of those options where you have a big window to go here's a player that I want to see what he can do but you've got to be wary I always say this of buying a player after an impressive tournament appearance but you think there's more to him than just a, a World Cup flash? 
Oh, completely. You know, I think his building form now has been over the last 12 months. We've seen massive improvements for him in Dutch football. But of course, this is the biggest stage of all. And people are watching World Cups. And Manchester United are in a bit of a pickle, aren't they, with Cristiano Ronaldo? That relationship is now over and they're looking for a forward. So United have been looking at Gakpo for a long time. I think when they decided to buy Anthony, they put the brakes on Gakpo and went, right, let's see what happens. But I think you've also got to look at this now with, with the player. Is that this is a player that Manchester United could go and get in the, in, the, in the winter transfer window and there's not many of them at the top level is there that you can kind of go out there and aggressively sign but Gakpo's uh, an amazing talent can play left can play through the centre uh, he's really tall for a wide player as well you know he can get in the air he's over six foot um, he's blessed with certain abilities but yeah that finish you saw how not just how confident he is but just how technically proficient he is and uh, I think He'll be in the Premier League in the months ahead, and I think he'll be in a red shirt. Oh, very mystical. But you're not saying what, which red shirt. There's a few red shirts in the Premier League. Well, not Brentford. Not Brentford. Okay, right. Well, that's <laughs> that's one we can cross off the list. Uh, right, we're going to do uh, some predictions to wrap up the podcast. Group A, we're going to stick with Jay. Netherlands, two, go- two games played, four points on the board. Ecuador, two games played, four points. Senegal, two games played, three points. Qatar are already out. The final round of games are Netherlands against Qatar and Ecuador against Senegal, I think. Yeah. Who is going through? It's tough because Ecuador, I think, have, have played well as well and you know, they have a decent team. Senegal didn't cover themselves in glory in that first game, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go with Senegal. I'm just gonna shade that. I think Senegal and Holland will go through, or the Netherlands, sorry, will go through. Senegal top and Netherlands second. Um, no, I'd probably have it the other way around. Okay, uh, Rob, what's your prediction for Group A? I'm going to say Netherlands top because there's absolutely no chance they won't smash Qatar who are a completely awful team Um, and I'm going to say Ecuador and I'm going to say Ecuador because I think I think if Enna Valencia is fit because that's the question with him you know he is carrying injuries he seems to get kicked all over the football pitch he just seems to have a knack for this doesn't he so I think Senegal Senegal are the better side they're better than Ecuador and obviously uh, uh, champions of Africa but I think when you you take out the Mane factor then you take out a lot of their firepower so I think Ecuador might sneak it 1-0 and uh, and get that second spot okay uh, right we're going to move back to group B Jay come on no no do you know what no no Fergal come on You've oh me oh sorry uh, okay okay me, okay. And, me and Rob have stuck our nose out you know made uh, our case go on you don't get off. Do you know what? I'm going to agree with Jay. Netherlands. I can see Netherlands just sweeping past Qatar, and um, I see what you. I see what you mean, Rob, with with Ena Valencia. And there's nothing like an inform random striker to uh, to propel a team into the knockouts. But I think I think Senegal have had the wake up that they needed from that opening game against Qatar, and it might not be pretty against Ecuador. There's a huge focus on whether Valencia will be fit or not. He got taken off against the Netherlands, and I think Senegal, even a Mané-less Senegal, will probably just have a little bit too much so yeah I'm going to go Netherlands top Senegal second Ecuador third and Qatar unfortunately dead last okay that's the that's the kiss of death then for exactly Senegal. yeah apologies <laughs> to the nation <laughs> of, uh, of Senegal if you, uh, if, if you if you get knocked out I, I do apologise uh, right B um, Jay final round of games Wales I have to say this as a bit of a disclaimer for, for Wales there was a big build up last night that Wales have to 
destroy England and beat England by a, a cricket score to get through. No, they only have to do that if they want the double whammy of getting through and knocking out England. They only have to beat England and the USA and Iran to draw to get through. It's still a big ask, but in a country filled with mountains, can they climb this one? Nice. Um, no, is is the, the answer for me. I know everyone's feeling a bit deflated after that England draw with the USA, but I think just we have to be sort of logical about this. England have just got far better players at the disposal. Wales didn't look up for it at all against Iran. They looked just knackered basically so I think England will beat Wales I don't think it'll be you know a cricket score or anything but I don't think it's going to be the, the, the drama that some people may predict so I think England beat Wales relatively comfortable uh, comfortably sorry Iran USA close on that and I I, I don't know I've, I think you know we saw a lot of good stuff from the USA against um, England last night but I think Iran can get a result there so I'll go England top Iran second okay uh, Rob let's flick across to you I think both games are going to be draws. So there you go, sitting on the fence first and Ooh. foremost. Uh, I think Wales don't have enough to probably beat England. And as much as the USA will want it, I think Iran on form are a better side. I did just say, didn't I, at the top of the show that Iran are above them in the in the rankings, the world rankings. Actually, USA are above both Wales and, uh, and Iran. But I think when you look at the way they're trending, the Iran are the team who've got form and look like they, they found something that last game, didn't they? But I think they're going to be draws. I think England will go through as group winners. I can see it be both games being one all. Uh, or you might get a shock and see that the Gareth Bale All-Stars somehow pull something out of the hat but I agree with Jay they just look so bad and I know Welshmen who are out there working uh, with the team and they're all a bit like a bit perplexed not very good are we mm. so um, yep yeah, uh, it should be comfortable for England and I think Iran USA will be the nail biter to the final minute seeing who can actually get that goal to win the match I <sighs> I do, I do just still think with Wales, and I agree with. I can't remember who said it on the the coverage last night that you get the sense this is an end of an era for Wales. This isn't the 2016 Wales with Ramsey and Allen in behind Gareth Bale and and other players that were of a Premier League level. That's just not the case. And I think if they'd held on against Iran and got a point, then it would put a completely different perspective on it. But there's nobody like Gareth Bale almost certainly in Europe, maybe even in the world, that can produce a moment for their national team like him. Um, I'm going to go for Wales to win, but to fall short in getting through. Because I think Iran have got the advantage, but I think the USA will swarm them and uh, and get second place. So I think Wales... I, I'm going to tip Wales that they can, they can, they'll fight for their lives to, to get something against England, even if they do lack the quality that England do. England top, USA second, and Wales to just miss out, unfortunately, uh, for, for Wales fans. That's, uh, that's my prediction. Uh, finally, before I let you go, opening round of fixtures, we're halfway through the second round of fixtures. Rob, has your favourites changed? Well, my favourite was Argentina. So, yes, <laughs> is the short answer to that. And, and you know what? I still think Argentina are going to win the World Cup. I'm going to stick with it. Okay, Jay, it was obviously a bit of a disaster for Argentina in the opening round of fixtures, but they do still have Lionel Messi in the team. 
Brazil won, but Neymar is out injured. France were excellent, but it seems like every game they play, someone gets an injury, so they're probably going to get another one in their next game. Are you sticking with your original pick to win it? I can't even remember who my original pick was to win it, to be honest with you. Oh. Well, we'll um, let you have a fresh pick then. Go so, on. yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm having a bit of a cop-out here because I'm getting a, I'm getting to give a prediction when I've seen around the fixtures. I agree with everything Rob said. I, I actually think Argentina will, will turn around. I don't know if they'll, they'll, they'll win it. <sighs> I'm just going to be proper beige and just go Brazil. Even with the Neymar injury, I just think they've got the you know if, hopefully he'll, for them he'll come he'll come back and I think they've got a lot of quality there and yeah sooner or later, if you can't pick anyone to win a World Cup just go with Brazil it's usually right. I think my dark horse is Spain. Looking at when watching these games, there's something about Spain. It's all coming together, a young team, plenty of superstar quality in there. If they get going, it is a strange World Cup, isn't it? You look across the groups, there's no one really shining. You know, even talk about England. England have got a chance here. You know, if England can get through and and find their best game, this is a, a tournament for anyone to win. Yeah, I'm I'm sticking with Argentina. It's head and heart. I just want, I've said it since the start of the tournament, I want Messi to win it. I want the book on Messi and Ronaldo to be closed. I want him to pick up that chessboard and hit Ronaldo over the head with it. That's that's what I want. Uh, that's, we're all that's, for books closing on Ronaldo. Exactly. I think we're yes, all for that. That's what I, want. I, now. Want, I, want, I want to see how they can do some sort of chess thing uh, after the tournament where Messi just either knocks all the pieces over or just you know bangs him over the head with the chessboard. But yeah, Argentina, they have to react uh, and they play Mexico tonight if they do get beaten by Mexico tonight they will be out so we're starting to get into crunch time in the World Cup there's going to be winners and losers in the days to come but for today we're going to wrap it up Rob Jay as always thank you so much for your time yeah enjoyed that lads always good chatting to you too cheers guys thank you very much we will be back next week we'll be here on Tuesday I'll be here on Tuesday previewing England against Wales can they do it Wales I mean England are almost over the line but you never ever know so don't forget to hit subscribe up the top you can get access to all of our World Cup content right the way through to the end of the tournament thanks for listening and catch you soon Football Social Daily subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode